Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and on this podcast, I will be speaking to inspirational individuals who specialize in the field of physical and mental health to offer you the tools that you need to become a stronger, healthier, and more confident man in today's world. Hello and welcome to episode number 59 of the Modern Warrior Podcast. Today, I am honored to have Kat Bigney with me on the episode. Kat is a TV star. She is the host of Human, The World Within, and The Great Human Race. Kat has also worked as a survival consultant with Bear Grylls during his series of The Island. She is an experienced survival expert, and she has loads more of exciting projects coming up in the future. And very soon, you may see Kat on your own TV screen at home. For the time being, though, I'm very excited for this conversation to dive deep into Kat's work and some of the lessons she's learned from her times of survival, times in the wild, times when her life was in threat. So yeah, stay tuned. This is going to be a brilliant conversation. So Kat, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Gavin. You gave me an intimidating introduction to live up to. Like I'm clearly not like in my yurt or teepee right now. I'm in a, a house with electricity. And so people think I'm an imposter. No surviving going on here. I just had, you know, a cup of coffee and, and some eggs. Yes. So. yes. You, you've perhaps uh, done your done your stint <laughs> of um, surviving, perhaps, and moving on For, to chapters in your life. Well, I mean, not, not entirely. I definitely have scaled back. There was a time in my life when I was young, when I was like out, off grid for months at a time. And that was something that I kind of normalized. So I grew up mostly off grid in the Wasatch Mountains in the US. And uh, I had electricity and running water most of the time, but my home was always heated with a wood stove. Hunting and being out in the land was something that I normalized. I didn't attend a, a, a formal school until I was older. I have a college degree, but I spent most of my education, most of my education was from the land. So I had a very atypical upbringing, which gave me, I think I mentioned this to you before, but it gave me sort of like fuzzy boundaries. Like I've learned how to create boundaries in my older age. And I think boundaries are important for like mental health for you know, for relationships and things like that. But um, the boundaries I'm talking about is that I really, I really didn't understand what I couldn't, couldn't do in life. I hadn't had sort of like fixed beliefs imposed upon me that a lot of kids have when they're young. And so I just grew up, if I had an idea, I thought I'd just go do it. I'd just go figure it out and do it, regardless of how um, ill, like, equipped I was to do it. I think being naive was a blessing in that sense. So when I was a teenager still, I started teaching survival, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know, like, I'd heard the term survival, like, I knew English, but I um, I didn't understand that it was a thing and that there were people that really wanted to learn how to survive. Um, until I was asked to start teaching. So I started teaching for Boulder Outdoor Survival School. It's a great school in the US. I've been teaching there on and off for, you know, over 20 years. And um, right now I write curriculum for, for boss. The funny thing to me is, so I think, I think the word survival is really dumb. I think I mentioned this too. I think 
I hate the word. It's this like romanticized term that sort of has like humans against nature, doing all kinds of like party tricks to, to you know, beat nature or whatever. And that's just ridiculous to me. You're never going to outsmart a monsoon. You're never going to have insurance enough to like, to, to take care of you if you get bit by a rattlesnake. Nature just is, and you can embrace it or not. You can learn how to, to maneuver within it, or you can try to fight it. So the reason I teach survival is because humans have been existing on this planet, depending on your belief system, for up to 4 million years. And in that time, as a species without any claws or notable fangs or hair, we survived when other things became extinct. And the reason for that is because the hallmark of our species is to adapt and innovate and to overcome. And that's always been something that's been part of us, regardless of whether, you know, you know, archaeologists Archaeologists want to call it, you know, call us Homo sapiens, Neanderthals, um, the Homo erectus or whatever. We always had that in us. That's our hallmark. But in the last 50 to 100 years, we've forgotten that. And we think it's a novel thing to be able to tap into our instincts, to tap into that awareness and to sustain ourselves. And it's a very valuable tool. So things like making a fire on the land or learning how to innovate using raw materials does as much for your mind in terms of survival that necessi like, the necessitates that kind of hardwiring that you also need to get through tricky things in life in modern times in you know, the loss of a loved one or divorce or a tricky mortgage payment or anything like that. Like that mentality needs to be hardwired in and we've forgotten it. So sometimes survival, I think, exhumes that. Anyway. Yes. What's <laughs> there for sure. Yeah. Adapting is, is certainly something we do very well, but we can adapt to all the good things in life. We can adapt to things that will actually benefit us, such as things like training in the gym or things like, um, you know, running things like working hard in, in certain situations or things like taking on regular hardships on a, on a frequent basis. Um, however, we can also very easily adapt to things that are detrimental to our progress in life. And I feel that that's sort of shifted over the last while, especially maybe over the last two years where there has been a lot of isolation. A lot of people have been locked up inside, uh, sort of a breakdown in society perhaps, and reverted into themselves, reverted into this almost cocoon. However, as you mentioned, we can very easily adapt to this sort of environment. And now a lot of people I think are staying indoors. A lot of people are not pushing their own boundaries, pushing their own limits, not training the body, not uh, evolving their mind, taking on new challenges because life's just become very easy and very comfortable. And again, we've adapted that comfort. And although it's comfortable, it's not initiating any further progress. We're not able to move forward in life because we're not taking on those hardships and learning from those and, and progressing. And also there's a, massive sense of achievement that you feel when you overcome something difficult in your life you know it definitely instills this confidence in you then to be able to take on other difficulties in life so i'm all for taking on voluntary hardships as you know um, jumping into the sea for example on a on a regular basis training in the gym running all these difficult things that yes i don't really want to do but i feel it's necessary to do because if i don't take on those voluntary hardships in life when an actual hardship comes at me in life, then I will not be able to deal with that situation because it'll be completely foreign to me. Whereas if some challenge in life comes at me out of nowhere, I can deal with it now because like, ah, yeah, I, I feel the same sort of anticipation or same, same sort of anxiety, what that challenge as I would do 
before I jump into the sea. So I'm adapted to the challenges. However, in the absence of that, when a challenge comes into your life from those people who are living in comfort, they don't know how to deal with it anymore. And it pulls them under. And I think that's much to the detriment over, especially over the last couple of years where things have just become a lot more modernized, perhaps. And people have just become a lot more um, sedated with screens and video games and pornography and all of these things. So I think it's absolutely necessary. Yes, um, as you said, you've got your qualms about survival, but I think more only than- only in terms of the word, because I think it's so ridiculous honestly, that we've literally become these like, from the wolves that, that, you know, created dogs, we're the equivalent of like a declawed lap dog at this point. Like we've forgotten how to hunt. We've forgotten how, we've forgotten our instincts. We, we, you know, we're waiting for our kibble inside. We don't want to get our paws wet. So I think that you're talking about something that's really, really important. And in terms of like survival, we typically see that like, if, if there's a survival situation, that an older population, not incredibly old, but has sort of physical ailments, but an older population tends to do a lot better than a younger population that is better maybe physically equipped because they don't have that hard wiring in like built in them or the experiences built in them that tell them they can do it. One of the worst things we have done, I believe, for the young generation now is to buffer them from hardship, to buffer them from making decisions, to buffer them from suffering, to buffer them from feeling uncomfortable. Discomfort's very important. We don't understand, we misinterpret discomfort as danger or death. And that is that is not the same. There have been plenty of times when I've been outside and I'm like, I don't know how, like, I am so cold. I don't know how I'm going to live through tonight, but I am, I might shiver all night. I am uncomfortable, but I'm not in danger because I know where that red line is. That red line's here. And that's when like my instincts take over. I've had that happen before with heat stroke where I no longer think it through, like I'm uncomfortable and miserable. And all of a sudden my body's just like, it's a, it's a like animal, like thought, like get out of the sun. And it's something that like instincts are so powerful. I'm, I'm lucky to have them from my end to trust them from my experience. I think, so I told you I played rugby for a long time, which is odd for an American woman, but uh, it's like a great passion of mine anyway. Um, but one of the reasons why I became pretty good at it, because I sweat a lot and worked really hard, but also because I just trusted my body to react and respond. I didn't think about it. So I don't even remember entire games. I would just have this practice. And it started from when I grew up, just tr- being out in the land so much and learning what instincts were that I just like let it all go. So I was anxious for the first hit when the game started. And then after the first hit, I don't remember the game. And they're like, oh, you scored or this, ha-. you know, I don't remember, but it, it happened. So I think like, as far as our young go, like when we were, you think about like, okay, for example, like an ancestral Puebloan, right? So they have like these, in an area where my year is, where I work teaching um, for Boulder Arter Survival School in the desert of the US Four Corners area, there are all of these, these artifacts or um, areas of archeological significance. And there's one particular panel with a bunch of petroglyphs, pectin pictures of corn and rows of corn. And then archaeologists have found that below that there were crops and also the water was routed to those crops to feed the crops, right? But it's also pecked on the wall. So I imagine that you had some people that were creating this cornfield and irrigation routes that took so much labor that they might never experience the benefits of it in their own life, but they did it for their children because they didn't want their children to starve. And so we move on, you move on from that. So their children, you know, have advancements and it's a great thing because we've learned how to use our environment and maybe control our environment to some degree. 
But later on, we have large scale agriculture. And then that turns into like the Xboxes and like wherever we are now, where we wanted to buffer our children so much so they initially could survive. But now we've jumped to the point where we can't have children going outside without, you know, being perfectly comfortable away from the elements, protected from emotional things as well. So they don't have to learn how to face those things. They don't have to learn how to face hardship. And that's a huge disservice for this next generation. We're not building in resiliency in people. You can vaccinate children all you want, but that's not going to build resiliency, the thing that we really need. Going to hop over that rabbit hole before we fall into it <laughs> on vaccinations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That was another Done. mess. But uh, yes, just hop over that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's well, what you're saying. I've got two kids myself, and I'm very aware of that. And um, there is sort of the rise of the snowflake generation that any sort of issue at all, they, they're just um, floored by it and um, they don't have the uh, the capabilities or the conditioning to be able to deal with those difficulties, such as an issue at, with a friend in school or such as um, an issue on the on the playing pitch on a, on a football match or rugby match and they get a hit. And they they come- play sports? Your kids play sports? Yeah, my daughter is, um, well, my daughter is 11. My son is... So my daughter's 11 and she does uh, karate and that's her sort of sport. And she's sort of into music and singing and stuff. Uh, my my son's only four at the moment. So he's just sort of um, finding his way, but he's, he just, look, I'm not too worried about him at this point. He loves going out and he loves getting mucky and running around and just getting his hands in his face Um uh, stuck in mud and he's happy out in the outdoors so i'm a big advocate for getting them outside on a regular basis don't have them um, i don't have any uh, games consoles or uh, any of that in the house um i'm very um i i monitor my daughter's screen time my, my son doesn't have any screens at the moment at, at four years of age but my daughter because her friends are getting phones and ipads and all this we sort of let her use some screen time during the week but it's it's monitored you know so that's something that's quite a challenge for a lot of parents at the moment is this um consistency of of screen time and the difficulties of uh, monitoring that for 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 their children and you know i do work with a couple of teenagers as well as well as um you know older adults and with these teenagers i'm finding a, a massive rise in uh in gaming addiction and these you know a couple of these guys the only interaction they would have with their friends outside of school is through this video console and they'll sooner play with them through this video console game whatever you call it was it call of duty or whatever those games are again Mm -hmm. i don't play them so i don't know what what they are but yeah and so you're you're locked into the system ultimately and you're all kind of playing together and there's communication there but there's more of that happening in this sort of virtual reality and there's less happening outside of the outside of the home or outside of the games console. And what's happening then is there's this rise of social anxiety. So then when they're in these social scenarios, they don't know how to behave or act or even make eye contact. And they feel very uncomfortable in that situation, which should be ultimately very enjoyable for them. So this is going to have a, a massive snowball effect onto um, a lot of issues in their later life. And again, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of this has come from this period of lockdowns and isolation where schools were closed, where 
um, workplaces were shut down. A lot of people had more time at home and there was a rise of um, gaming and ultimately addictions from that, that, that young boys in particular are struggling with today. And again, it's having a knock on effect then in terms of their social anxiety and whatever else that brings. So it's quite a worrying time for a lot of people, but again, from your perspective, if you were to sort of step in at the moment and, you know, speak to boys or men between like the age of 17 to 25, who are sort of <laughs> maybe a little bit more conditioned to living life and virtual reality and are somewhat experiencing now the negative impact of that, where do you start? I mean, or is, is that too vague? You have to not, I mean, you really have to be like your own, like you really, it's like you have to, kick your own ass you can't be you can be lazy but you'll only get like what you've always had in life like if you're perfectly content sitting in front of a game console with living in some mundane life where the end of your life is equivalent to the sum total of the things you've collected and your bank account then that's your life and that's all you deserve because if you don't it's, it is really about accountability if you don't push yourself outside of that then you won't ever have happiness and there have been times where you know, I've, I've been training or participating in a project. Let me tell you. So when I was consulting with Bear Grylls, I was, first of all, it was early in my like survival career. And I was working on the island with Bear Grylls. And I was asked to come because they needed, it was the first time they're going to have a female island. And Bear Grylls was accused of being sexist. He was like, so we're going to have a female island. You remember the island? Yeah, it's probably not the island with Bear Grylls. Anyway, so I came on the first season because they needed a woman to see doing this or they never, like, all, you know, they never would believe that they could participate in this. So I came on, first of all, as like the American, in a, in a British crew of 90, an American female survival expert. And it was not only intimidating, but like, socially it was very difficult initially and i've had a lot of experience in my background saying you know when things are hard do you give up because it's uncomfortable you could die here you don't know these islands very well you've got to figure it out or just saying you know what i don't care what the end i don't care how i feel about it right now this is what i want to do and to get to where i want to be i have to do this and it might be really uncomfortable for a couple days and I might freeze and I might, you know, there's sharks out there and socially it's weird until I get to know people. And like, what if I'm a total like imposter and I fail and I never figure out how to teach people how to make fire? What if all these things? And so it was really uncomfortable. I was like, you know, but if you want to, you want to get somewhere, then you got to do it. And it really taught me that happiness is a verb. It's not a state of being necessarily. It's a choice and it's an action. And I think that like, you have to let yourself be uncomfortable. And it might seem like hell at times, but those anxieties are worth overcoming. Mm -hmm. um, that anxiety we all have through conditioning or whatever, maybe our natural chemistry, but those things are worth overcoming because there's a benefit to that. You could actually be your own hero. And when I was young, I used to think to myself, like my gauge, I told you, I think Gavin already that I, the best thing in my life is that I don't have approval as a drug. Like I don't have strong approval. Everyone likes to be liked and I don't like confrontation necessarily, but approval is not my drug. And so I realized at the end of the day, for me to be happy and accomplished and successful, which is not the same as being rich, successful, success comes in such a different way. But if I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and be able to go to sleep at night without feeling ashamed or without feeling regrets, then I couldn't function. Mm -hmm. Then I didn't have, having my own approval was the biggest thing for me and the only thing I think mm -hmm. in my life. And like those, those were lessons gained early on that I've lived by some of the greatest lessons of my life. I haven't learned, you know, when I, when I've been older, I've learned when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, when the stakes were high, 
I grew up like, you know, take caring, taking care of my siblings and not, not going to school and not actually having like, I have great parents, but they weren't necessarily always accessible when I was young. So I had to learn to stand my ground when I was very young. I had to learn to trust my instincts and to take care of my younger siblings. And that was a gift. It's like, I think most things in life, like when you feel scared, what's the difference between those emotions of fear and excitement? Like there's very, they're, they're very closely related. So if I'm afraid, I'm like, well, if it's true fear, what am I afraid of? What's the worst possible outcome? Because I bet the feeling of fear and subjecting myself to that is probably worse than could really happen, the worst possible outcome. But maybe that fear is just excitement that I have to redirect so I can focus. And learning how to mentally master those emotions, which I am still doing, that's a lifelong thing, I'm no guru, um, I think is really valuable. So for the men and the boys out there to challenge yourselves, do things that scare you. And just know, especially for young boys, like don't think that you have time. I had this great mentor. He was, um, he's dead now, Vietnam vet. And I was, I think, 18 at the time when he was sort of life coaching me. And he said, you know, your mistake is that you're going to think you have all this time to do things. And you're wrong. If you don't start, you're wrong. And he was right. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a sort of mindset that is going to be detrimental to your progress. Because if you think at 16 that you've got time, you're most likely going to think at 25 that you still got time. Most likely will think at 30. 35 you still have time so this sort of mindset so follows you through and it's a way to sort of justify an inaction it's a way to justify your um lame way of living of this of this lazy way of living and um it's a way to excuse your uh, your reasons for not taking on a challenge oh no i've got time you know what i'm just gonna relax for the next couple of years and when i'm 21 i'll go and do that you know i'll be in a much better position to be able to do that when i'm 21 i know you won't because what are you doing right now is going to actually create a bigger barrier. So by the time you're 21, it's going to be even more difficult to get beyond that and pursue the challenge and to improve your life. Um, so like, I, you know, I know I would, I don't know if I would say this, but I do, I don't know if this is a correct term, but I'd probably do have some sort of an addictive personality, but that like I have had like a porn addiction, for example. And, um, it's a long story like I was going through some trauma in my life and um, porn was sort of my escapism for it so it's quite dependent on alcohol as well so I can relate basically what I'm trying to say I can relate to some of these boys who are so hooked on uh, gaming because there is a sort of a dopamine effect from that like they're not going on these games because um, it makes them feel miserable or it, it makes them feel disconnected or it makes them feel sort of anxious. They're going on the games because it gives them some sort of a hit. The same reasons I was going on to porn for um, that dopamine hit for the attention, for feeling some sort of connection. Because again, if all your friends are gaming and you're not gaming, then where the fuck do you go? I mean, you're going to feel isolated, lonely, um, sitting there in the house. Your friends are gaming. You've got no one to go out and kick a ball with or meet in the village or go for a walk or cycle with. So I think it's a matter as well in terms of um, you've got to, uh, at some point, you've got to upgrade your your social circle and ask yourself, okay, are these people I'm hanging around with, are they holding me back in life or are they actually benefiting my growth here? And you will find out as you get older, hopefully, and become more aware as to your behaviors and your actions and the impact of your social circle that you have certain people you need to drop in order to, uh, level up your life and uh, teenage years are 
very complex, as you know, you go through so many different emotions and, and feelings and you think you know everything um, until you, until someday you wake up and you realize, you know, fucking nothing. And um, whatever sort of anxiety or whatever trauma in the past that you were affected by and ultimately maybe escaping through your gaming or your boozing or your um, porn use, whatever it is, that'll, that'll eventually catch up with you. And I think, for me anyway, and maybe for a lot of people, you know, you get to a certain point where the pain becomes all too much. And that is a turning point, but that was a turning point for me. However, you can't avoid that if you just take a step back from your situation right now, which I never did, unfortunately, but I'm asking a lot of listeners to do so right now, step back from your situation right now and evaluate your life, assess your behaviors and your thoughts and your actions and ask yourself, okay, what the fuck am I doing here? is this working in my favor or am I, is this detrimental to my progress and happiness in life? And For anyone that is probably listening to this right now and has sort of like, you know, gaming or porn or, or over alcohol consumption, if they're listening to this, then that means there's got to be a place, a really important place of integrity inside that's not content and understands that there's a deviation as alluring it as it is. And so if, you know, if you're one of those people that's so happy in that route and want to like live the next 20 years of your life being addicted to gaming, then by all means, I won't tell you how to live, like go for it. But, but if, but if there's some little teeny spark that says, I don't know, like, do I really want to be here when I'm 60, when I'm 80? Like, what is that outcome? What does that look like for me? Like have a little bit of forward thought because really if like it continues for a month, it'll continue for a year unless something intervenes. And that only thing that intervenes is yourself. What I would say, like personally, from my experience to take, just go outside and sleep outside alone with those thoughts, totally alone in silence without anyone else, without anyone interfering, without, you know, even without my voice, without your voice, Gavin, and really get, get inside yourself and get honest about where you want to go. And then, you know, if you have to battle those addictions or, or those other, the things that's a start, that'll give you what you need. And then just operate with integrity. And it doesn't matter if you like fuck up a couple of times, it doesn't matter if you have some issues that you overcome, like, that's fine. Like I'm being really intimate with you. Like I have right now. So I've always been super crazy fit always. Like I've had, like, I was one of those people that I didn't have to think too much about training, whether it was genetics or I've just been so active my whole life. And so like. I, I mean, I grew up like working. So I always, I, it was easy for me to have a six pack. I had great abs, but over the past couple of years, I think that like, just with my life and maybe, maybe getting stuck in some things I had to evaluate, at, you know, during the pandemic with depression, maybe drinking too much. I've had this real, like coming to Jesus time lately where I'm like, you know, you're getting older. And if you don't stop now and put some intention into training that like you never had to do before, you're going to be fat and inactive and not want to get out because it's going to be uncomfortable. And so lately I've been putting myself through, like, I'm not going to say it's fun. Like sometimes it's like the training I've been putting myself through. I hate and I, and it's hell. And I have to tell myself, like, I don't care how you feel about it. You're doing it anyway, because you know what the outcome is if you don't. And I don't care if I have a six pack again. I don't care if like, I just care that like I'm back in my body again as that body I know. And it's not fun to have to make up that time. It's not fun to have to make some of those changes. It actually sucks. It hurts. And it's uncomfortable because I've kind of, you know, switched my normal mode and maybe age has something to do with, has something to do with it too. But I've had to like regroup. And so it's the same thing. It's just calling yourself out in your own shit, even if it's miserable. And you're like, you know, I'm going to lose friends. 
I'm going to have to develop some new habits. It might mean that I, that I do some things that seem kind of insane to me because I've never done them before. I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone, but what direction that is, like you get to decide, like, you know, I can have what works for me, Gavin, you can have what works for you. But like, if there's one, if, you know, someone's listening to this and been thinking like, maybe that's me, then it is you mm-hmm. and you've got to make those changes. And it's only up to you can't ever, you know, you can't be a victim to it. Like you can, but then that's your whole life because don't expect it. It won't change for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And you've been in obviously very <laughs> difficult situations um, in your life. And I'm very interested to know sort of, um, well, maybe first of all, what have been some of the most difficult challenges you've overcome in the wild or even in your life that, um, and, and how did you get beyond it or what are some of the lessons that you can now apply to your life or someone else can apply to the life that you harnessed from those difficult experiences? I'm sure you've been up against some, uh, near life or death experiences. You mentioned the heat stroke there earlier. I mean, that's, that's one experience out of most likely a hundred others. Um, so have you, have you sort of reflected back on your survival journey? Let's call it that. Um, and thought to yourself, you know what, I've, I've learned a lot over the years and, you know, this is, has been of massive value to my life and it's, and I can use this now to perhaps um, improve other people's lives. I know you're sort of working on a new TV show as well, and you're putting things together there. You're bringing your level of extra expertise onto that platform and continue to do so. But I'm sort of talking about, okay, the deeper level stuff, some of the um, lessons you've taken from your own experiences that someone can apply to their challenge today. No, they're, um, they're not facing a, a crocodile or an alligator or some uh, near-death experience perhaps, but they may be slowly dying with the, the poor habits and choices they're making on a daily basis. So as we've been discussing the importance of taking on a challenge, but what are some of the lessons that you've sort of taken from your challenges that could inspire these people to make a move? You know, the greatest thing I think I've mentioned before is like trusting your instinct and trusting in who you are. And that doesn't mean like, you have a big ego and that you're right. So um, I think still the most valuable lessons I like ever gained in my life was a deep realization when I was an early teenager and I just started working. I was apprenticing for Boulder Outdoor Survival School when I just found out survival was a thing. And I was so, I was like one of the only women there and I was such a baby. I was a baby. Um, And I was so intimidated. I just, I was on an exercise trying to learn plants or something. And I sat down and just started to cry because I was like, I can't do it like no one will trust me like I don't connect with people here they're older men with big beards they know what they're they know the lingo they know the industry what am I doing here this is so dumb and I just sat down and I was crying I just thought to myself you know what like you don't have permission to not trust yourself because the stakes are too high and I don't even think I totally knew what that meant at the time but I felt it and there were so many times after that that I when I was out with people because the harder part isn't necessarily like like I've nearly died plenty of times in actuality, like in survival situations on camera, for sure, nearly have like people who think it's a lot of the stuff I've done is fake. I'm like, yeah, the, the, the fake part about like some of the survival stuff is that you didn't really see how sick I was or that it actually took 10 days to hunt something, not 10 minutes, like, and, and, and how hungry I really was. And some of those things that like, I don't feel like I need to prove myself. I'm not interested in doing that sort of television or in life. Sometimes, you know, I still lead survival courses on occasion and Um, sometimes you just face that because that's what's real. And I choose that, but I also 
want, like, it's easier for me to do it than it is for me to be responsible for other people and to teach them how to do it. And that responsibility in facilitating survival, like I'll do for Boulder Outdoor Survival School is incredibly scary for me because I understand how high the stakes are. And time and time again, I just had this, this impulse, like with heat stroke or with like, I was in a situation where I was leading people through a canyon and all of a sudden this like blizzard from hell opened up. We had no gear and just blood started flowing down the canyon. We had snow, but it was like, like still melting on the ground. And I was like, no one, I said, in these conditions, no one can save us. There's no helicopter that can get in here, no car that can get in here. We have no gear. We have to stop right now. And so I took everyone on a cliff ledge and literally like had to get a fire going. Like I was literally pulling sticks out of a coyote den. There was, was only wood I could find dry. Like I was like, I don't care. I'll like, you know, I'll PC out the window. We're all sleeping right next to each other because we're going to, someone's going to die otherwise. And just knowing that like, I had this like click in my head. It's like right now move. And it was that fast. And it, 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 like moments like that, like I've learned how to distinguish between like instinct and anxiety. Anxiety is very different. Anxiety is like a lot of thought and panic. Instinct is just motion now. And I've learned how to just trust that absolutely and never question it. And afterwards, not question like if I did things perfect, you know, you can always learn from experience, but to always trust my instincts. And that's, I think like far too few of us have developed instincts. We have them. We all are born with them. They can be exhumed in us, but we've become indoctrinated. We've become institutionalized. We've become something that's very, we're afraid to do things wrong because it's institution tells us it's wrong. So we get an education, we pay a lot of money for it, but then we, we doubt our creativity. We doubt our instincts. We doubt our innovation because we're afraid of being wrong. We can all be wrong. We need to exercise those muscles, exercise the trust in our intuition, because that's super important to me. You know, in survival, like a lot of the same things that have been difficult for me in survival are difficult in real life. And that's being responsible for other people, having an effect on other people. I've mentored people before. I'm worried sometimes I'll say the wrong thing or maybe I'll do the wrong thing and influence people, you know, in ways I don't want to. I almost went to med school. I was accepted to go to an undergraduate program and I just had, I worked really hard for it. I was also engaged at the time and I was going to spend my last like hurrah, my last like couple months in the desert teaching. And then I was going to close that chapter of my life forever and become a physician's assistant and get married. And that was all set. I'd done all the work. Um, and then I just, when I was in the desert, I just was like really unsettled and things weren't as clear for me. And I just started, had this dream one night and I was responsible for a group of people. We were in horrible monsoons. We were stuck under some ponderosa pine trees for like three days. It was kind of hellacious. We lived through it. It was rough, but anyway, so I was responsible for that. But then in that time, stuck under this tree. I fell asleep one night and had this dream. It's pouring rain. Like, I mean, pouring rain so bad. You didn't care who sees you pee because you had to just like handle it and not get soaked. So it was what it was. It was kind of feral, but anyway, so I woke up in the middle of the night and I went to this dream where I was like split from the middle of my eyes all the way down to my belly button and everything was falling out. And I heard myself scream in an audible cry. It was something more soulful. And I woke up and in that moment, I knew I'm not going to PA school and I am not getting married. And I don't know what I'm going to do because I put all of my money into like getting into to this graduate program. And so now what? And so I was like, I don't care if I become homeless. I don't care what, and I did. And I didn't care what the outcome was, but I moved out of my apartment. I broke up my fiance. Like I had this revelation. I was like, you know what? I have clarity and clarity is such a gift because you don't always have it. And so if I didn't honor that clarity, why would I ever have it again? And that was one of the, it was such a 
everyone thought I was kind of nuts at the time because I was like, I'm not going to this graduate program. They're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm not totally sure, but like, I'm okay now. Like I'm actually, right. I don't have like a drug or alcohol problem. I might not have a home right now. I slept on a, I convinced someone to let me rent their backyard in uh, Portland. And I built a, a greenhouse that I would sleep in on and off. And um, I, they thought I was renting it to garden and I was kind of staying there, but um, I just had all this clarity about what was next. And then I started as soon as that happened, like, and I committed to it, that's when I, um, at that point, all these things opened up in my life. That's when I acquired, you know, a gold medal in women's rugby in the U.S., which was, had been a goal forever. That's when I started working in television and had all these opportunities in a direction I didn't quite envision happen because I knew there was a different path and that my soul needed that, not what looked good on paper. And it was not a hard time. It was a beautiful time because I felt that I was honoring this clarity that was a gift. I know that sounds nuts, but it's a true story and d- change the direction of my life. I love that. Yeah. That's a- I, go off on a tangent? I tend to do that. Like, I don't what? even know if I answered your question, Gavin. I'm sorry. One of, these are all relevant tangents. Yeah. They're, uh, they're all branches <laughs> three of, of questions that I'm asking you. So it's all relevant and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all very insightful and very inspirational. So thank you. And yes, clarity is something, as you mentioned, that is lacking at the moment because we've been conditioned by society to, as you nearly fell into that trap of uh, going to university or college and getting your degree and then getting your job and getting married, having your children. And it's hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. Um, is this, is this what I want? Is this, what I feel in my heart is this truly what I want or am I following someone else's expectations or am I falling into this, uh, into this uh, standards of society, uh, which a lot of us fall into. And then we sort of lose our, our way because we've been misguided by our parents, perhaps who have set certain expectations based on, based on their downfalls and in their lives, perhaps. And they want to protect us, keep us safe by, ensuring we get our degree and we get our job and we're making decent money and we have our family and all this stuff again comfort but it's detrimental to our own inner well-being and or our own inner progress and happiness and then years later you wake up and you realize hang on a fucking second i fucking hate this job um i don't love my wife i'm absolutely miserable in this relationship what the fuck am i doing here so a lot of people get stuck there and I talk to so many men who've fallen into that trap and are trying to find a way out of it. And we have to go back and peel, peel back the layers and understand, hang on a second. Like it's, you know, this inner critic in your head, for example, who's uh, beating your, beating you up every time you want to do something that you feel is true to you. That's not your voice. That's the voice of your mother or your father when they rejected you or rejected something within you that you expressed that was true about you, your true self was rejected. So you suppress that. And then you sort of begin to create this different mold of a human being to please your parents and to fit into society and completely lose your way. Um, So when I hear about your story, uh, yeah, it's incredible. And I wish that more people would have the, the courage to have made such a decision in their lives and the insight to be able to, um, understand the consequences of such a decision as well in the, in the long term. Um, but yeah, I think it does, it does come down to, to clarity in terms of asking yourself, hang on a second, hang on, hang on. Is this, is this what I want? 
or am I following someone else's lead here? Who perhaps you've got to walk through the fear. Yeah, you have to be willing to walk through the fear. And it's like, you know, sometimes things are hard and, you know, you get a second wind sometimes when you're running, right? You get that second wind, even though it's like miserable and you're like, how can I go on for 10 miles like this? And then you get warmed up. It's the same mentally. Like we often forget that we have that, that mental second wind. And so trusting like your body and your brain and sleep and, and healthy diet and sticking with routines, if you know it's right, do it. Even if you have no approval, you know, it is about being courageous and not to say, I don't like, I, I screw things up sometimes too, but you know, we all do. And, and we've got to forgive ourselves and keep moving. You just got to keep, keep moving. Yeah. 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 That's, um, well, sometimes you do need to stop though and take shelter when that monsoon comes, isn't it? <laughs> and, I mean, you uh, can rest, but don't stop. I mean, I think you exactly yes, absolutely rest. stop and rest, but maybe yeah. like keep the momentum, but you know, my, yeah. My, my father was a great example to me. He used to just say, you know, you can, you can stop and rest, but don't ever quit. And he used to tell me, and it stuck to me more than anything in my life. Well, he told me two things that like influenced me a lot of my life. And the first was, you know, I gave you the best I had. And if you find out it's all crap, just leave it. That was so empowering. He told me that when I left the house. And then the other thing he told me was, uh, this is great. He said, you know, you can fail. You can fail. And that always stuck. I was like, you know, there's no, like, it's so different from like the snowflake little entitlement generation that are told how beautiful they are like seven times a day and, and how incredible and superhuman they are. And then they don't ever work. Like he said, you know, he told me I, I could fail. And that always, those two messages stuck with me and still in like my life, not in a negative way, but just as motivation to remember, like, you know, you keep working. It doesn't matter if it's slow. It doesn't matter if it's at your pace and in your way, keep going. And yeah, you're going to face things that are uncomfortable, they're miserable. But if you really like, you know, we cannot blame anyone in life but ourselves. There are like uh, things happen where sometimes you're a victim of circumstance. That's true. But you still get to decide what you do with it. Yeah, that's very powerful and very empowering when you take ownership of a certain situation like that, because um, you're back in control when you're blaming other people you're allowing them to control your behaviors and your thoughts and your actions. However, when you bring it back to yourself and, I, and you ask yourself, okay, what can I do about this shitty situation that I'm in right now? How can I find the opportunity when there's a problem? That's it. Control and power back to you. And then you can utilize that to, to move forward beyond that challenge. So what you have done many, many times in, uh, in, sur- in survival and also in in life, I'm sure. So it's, a, you know, well, Gavin, I got to tell you, like, I make no mistake about it. There are times, but this is probably a defect. Like there are times when I'm like, and I think I probably have made my mother worry where I'm like, yeah, like I might die. Like I even thought that when I go on the rugby pitch, I'd be like, I might die today, but that, that but I'm going to go hundred percent if I die. Well, and I have thought that before. And I'm like, you know, I could die. Like in this, I had a project with Ed Stafford uh, years ago where like, I was like, man, if I dive into this water right now, a couple of Japanese divers did die last week. Am I going to die? Is this stupid? I'm like, you know, the risks. And so like, that might be a little bit of insanity, but um, it's also coming to terms with like our mortality too, and understanding that I'm part of this. I'm part of life. I think they're good forces in like, if I'm putting myself out in a good way, they're good forces supporting me. Yet I'm also like humbly a human that is going to die at some point that is not like I'm vulnerable 
and in that vulnerability there is strength too mm -hmm. yeah. and so accepting like mortality is an important thing too not that i have like an a wish for death or i'm an adrenaline junkie at all um but well that's anyway it, that's much, <laughs> much to people's detriment as well in life isn't it that they they don't live a a life of meaning or a true life um or, or life that's true to them because they're afraid of death um so again they choose the path of least resistance and choose the path of safety and just live in this comfort because they're afraid of oh if i step out of this comfort zone i may die um or it could I need to preserve yeah it's like i have to preserve my life so i can go on gaming yeah like, you know <laughs> yeah. valuable valuable time yes but so what are you actually doing you're slowly dying um and it's not uh, yeah maybe not dying in the literal sense either but um opportunities of happiness and growth and amazing fucking things in your life you're, you're killing those off because you're sitting in your house looking through a computer screen um absolutely wasting those opportunities yeah. and you will eventually you're totally dead. yeah you're totally dead while still breathing like that's not i mean you can be alive and breathing and still be totally dead yeah yeah which is why uh yeah so, uh, jump into the sea every morning to you're amazing gavin you do good work i appreciate like i appreciate the work that you're doing and just chatting with you i think like i i learn a lot from you and even just i've like watched some of your other podcasts and just really appreciate that you're diving deep into like humanity and finding those strong points to keep people going to teach yes. and i think like you know i imagine you learn a lot um and have a lot to give too when you're when you're interviewing people you know yeah i love this and uh, talking to interesting people like yourself and this has been a very interesting and insightful and inspiring conversation. Um, and I want to thank you, Kat, for the work you're doing and the work you've done. Um, some brilliant stuff out there. Um, go and check her out. And if they do want to find you, reach out to you, check out your work, where is the best place to, to find you? I mean, you can hit me up on like either, it's just my name, Kat Bigney, um, on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, usually I'm as responsive as I can be with my crazy life. And I'm actually going to have something airing um in march i'm not allowed to like release the name or the network at this point but i've got a couple things airing and in the works and then also i'm going to be teaching a custom course for boulder outdoor survival school this coming year so i've got some projects that people can interact with if they want to know more about my work Sweet. um yeah nice one yeah well we'll be checking that out and this uh this thing that you're airing will it be available in the in ireland and the uk it should be available internationally at some point. And as soon as I can release more info on that, I'm going to post that on my Instagram and Facebook. I'm just waiting for yeah. permission. Yeah. 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 Violate any really expensive contracts. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that and, and to checking it out, of course. So, um, and yeah, Kat, thanks so much. I uh, really appreciate the time you've taken because I know you're super busy and i know that the listeners as well have taken massive amount of value from from uh, our conversation here from your words so thanks so much for sharing that with us gavin i'm honored anytime and truly thanks for the work you do <laughs>